Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is Permission to Be. Today we kind of have an in-house conversation, an episode, and we want to introduce you to someone very special to us. And I guess the thing that I will say, because this uh, needs no further introduction, is that here at Permission to Be, we were always asking the question, um, who are we becoming and who have we been? And this next person just really adds such deep value to that question. So I hope you enjoy it. And thank you for being with us. Thank you for being our family. Yeah, like so, so, but, but this is what he said. He's like, I well, mean, you're a student. I mean, you went to you went to college. You got a degree in business, and you spent the last you know six or seven months. I mean, you're constantly in classes and you're learning you know the skill and the art of writing. And so I was like, oh wow, that's that's good. He's like, people go back to school all the time. So. Um, so anyway, um, but you know, I've spent all of my life being identified with one thing, and so it's just a weird space. Um, I'm in the liminal space between no longer and not yet. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty damn good. <laughs> Let's just lead with a new co-host. Thing. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Permission to Be. Let's hit him with the remix. Oh, well, y'all got to change yes. that. Yes. What are we doing? Uh, we leave our F-bombs in and... Let's tell some stories. As long as white people are bound, the people in power are bound, they're going to keep us bound to the same thing that they're bound to. Out of, uh, the, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speak, that I think out of the overflow of the spirit the body does. Challenge some narratives. Why, why is that the best that God could offer you? Mike made it very clear that he did not want to get any of these questions beforehand. So he is getting this question live, raw, for the very first time. This is, um, yeah. and I feel like art is the expression of the heart where uh, words fail. Oh my goodness, I have tears. Oh, y'all are killing it. Unfiltered. I feel like that's gotta sound strange. Permission to be. Uh, actually, my, my, my literary agent, when we were talking about what book might I write, he was like, I mean, A Black Man with Hope is an interesting book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Hi, friends, and welcome to Permission to Be. We are so excited. We have not shared this information with a lot of people. And so if you are have listening. Have shared it with any people? No, no. We, <laughs> we are thrilled. Our guest tonight, she is not only a blogger, a lifelong learner, living in the liminal space of growth and continuing education, but she is our new co-host. Everybody, welcome Olivia Bethay. Hi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm laughing because... <laughs> so, Olivia... We were right before we started that, Olivia, we were like, we don't know how to introduce you. We're having this whole like strategy conversation of like, do we do it at the beginning? Do we do it at the end? And then Olivia went on like this really like beautiful monologue about like what she was, how she had came to this conclusion of who she was. And so because we have video here, sitting here watching Becca <laughs> try to remember and do the intro <laughs> and everything was epic. One. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Two. D 
David was going to do that intro. <laughs> David was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> he didn't say that, but that's what his face was. <laughs> yes, but David's body language was like, I don't think so. And so I was like, all right, let's just kick it off. Let's just go. But then I also said, quite plainly, I do yes. not want to do that. Yes, <laughs> and so I'm so self-focused that I didn't even hear you say it. I thought you said, I heard it as... I don't know how to do that. And I was like, well, that's not like David. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it's not a lack of competency. It was purely a lack of desire. <laughs> Which was from his, from what we could see of him from top of his head to through his shoulders, absolutely everything that was emoting from you. <laughs> and lastly, three. Welcome, Olivia. I'm so excited. <laughs> That you're here. Welcome to the insanity and the goofiness that is uh, this podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> this is genuine. Happy to be here. <laughs> so you get all the co-hosts tonight. It's uh, Tommy, David, Becca, and uh, Olivia, our new mm-hmm. co-hosts. Um, yeah, this would be so fun if we actually had like a live audience to be able to ask questions. Because all of a sudden, like... <sighs> Any questions that I just had just kind of went out of my brain because I'm like, I know you really well personally, but I'm just like, how do we, how do we want to introduce you? So anyway, we could do the, who would play you? I mean, we could, but like, I don't know. How would you? <laughs> we're not. How, do you also <laughs> we're not do that question? Sporadically. Very sporadically. Sporadically. I mean, I feel like it's a nod to our growth and who we've become. So I don't ever want to like get rid of it. Like, like, but then Gabe's, they came prepared for that question and we never asked them. (laughs) And then at the end, she was like, but I was prepared. I have a whole answer because she had listened to Audrey Henry's episode. I just came up with an impromptu answer. (laughs) So, um, so, the reason oh, I, I would ask Carrie Washington. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. First of all, for people who don't know, do, yeah, you do need to say the question. We need to say the question. We are winning at podcasting tonight, folks. <laughs> um, wait, is David? David came up with a question. What's yes, the question, David. It's original idea. Okay, I will indulge you all and in, in, in participate <laughs> uh, at this point um so the question is if if in the future when your uh when your uh, season of liminality evolves into something um more concrete or or if you just you know kind of just you know go out like a spark into the sunset in perpetual liminality uh but regardless of what that ends up looking like if you know if some hollywood studio sees um, a money-making opportunity in capturing uh, your existence in some form. If they decide to make a movie about your life, like a biopic, I'll stop. I'll stop vaguely gesturing in metaphorical language. Um, if that were to happen, yes, too much time at watershed. If that were to happen, um, what? That's an inside joke for about six people. But if that were to happen, Olivia. Who would play Olivia or or what combination of, of people, if this is a long, you know, throughout your entire life, but who, who would play uh, Olivia in, in that movie while Tommy and Becca are recovering? Okay, really cool. Okay, so the, uh, the person who popped well. into my head, because I had not thought about this beforehand, was Carrie Washington, and that's because she played a character named Olivia on television. I also happen to like Carrie Washington, but she has already oh, played yes. Olivia, so... Um, so she would be my she would be my choice for that reason. I mean, you know, she's just she's a badass as far as like yeah. she's just badass at life. I love her so much. She serves face in everything yes. she does. She's flawless. It's everything. Yeah. And, and you're a writer. You could write it. I mean, write the script. Write yes. The story, or at least you know. Yeah, mm. I've not done screenwriting. I am very much um, in the memoirish, um, personal essay, inspirational essay genre. Um, so I have never ventured into okay. that form of storytelling yet. Knock on wood. Never know. 
I was going to say, yeah, leave it open. I feel like when we have conversations about, you know, white nonsense, like we're, we're, we're setting the foundations often for like the, sto- the screen telling, screenwriting aspects of, because <laughs> like, we're just going to have such good stories also. Also, because you're, um, I was like, why don't we introduce you as a journeyer? Um, but I was a traveler. COVID kind of shut so that down. You have all. <laughs> Yeah. Mm, mm. Okay. Okay. So, like, what what would be the Olivia introduction? Like, tell the audience who are you, how'd you come to be here with us, and like, how's sure. COVID life for you? That's the rest of our time together. Like, I've heard some of Olivia's answers to some of that. Like, that's the next <laughs> ninety minutes. Um, so. <laughs> Who I was. That's okay. um, oh, yeah. I spent uh, a quarter century in the HR arena, um, just various facets of human resources management, human resources consulting, so on, so forth, and et cetera. And, um, and then at about the halfway point of last year, um, through a variety of circumstances, um, you know, COVID prob- probably exacerbated that, but I decided to step away and just to do something totally different, which is to embark on this journey of learning. Um, Because who I am at my core is um, I've always been a writer. And I think probably the thing that underscored that the most is I have lived in my house um, since 1994. So I have this closet shelf and um, I walked into that shelf this past August and found this journal from 1984, 1985. It's been there since I've been in this house, but I didn't see it until then. And when I opened it up, um, the first thing you opened it up to this poem Hmm. and it's called why I write. And um, the, the, like the closing line of that poem is that like all others, um, I will say farewell at my time, but my legacy will be preserved in my writing and rhymes. And so I wrote that when I was 18 or 19 years old. And um it's a whole volume of poetry. You know, another thing that's interesting about that is that I had been taking writing classes at that point for several months and I had skipped one that was on poetry because I told our teacher, I'm not into poetry and I don't rhyme. I don't write rhymes. And then I found this whole volume that I had written when I was 18 and 19. And so it just kind of underscored the whole concept of, you know, it's never too late to become who you Hmm. always were. And so um, I went on this like, you know, 25 to 30 year detour mm, and nice. got a degree in business and had this whole corporate career, which was totally fine. And so now um, I have grown and adult children and um, I'm circling back around to be who my 18 year old self <laughs> always knew that I was. And so I tell people that I'm existing in the liminal space between no longer and not yet. I'm no longer an HR professional. Um, and I'm on this journey to um, of, of writing. Um, I'm not yet like, you know, I haven't written my first book yet or anything, um, but I'm in that space in between. And then it's been a heck of a journey and I meet interesting people like Tommy <laughs> along the way mm-hmm. in weird places. <laughs> you mentioned you haven't written your first book yet. Is that something you hope to or, or have started? Uh, or? Yeah, it's kind of, sort of, maybe. Um one of the things that I have learned um, over the last year is that you've got to have a specific focus. And um, so the whole process of writing a book is a lot more um, intense than a a lot of people realize. And so one of the things that I'm drilling down to now is like, what, what is the book I can't not write? You know, what is that thing that I'm so passionate about that I can't not talk about it? And those are the questions I'm asking myself because there are a lot of things that interest me, but you know, a, a book is a heck of a project. Um, it, it's usually a, a year or longer and you know, book proposals and the whole editing process. And so you've got to be not just superficially interested. Um, there needs to be a measure of passion. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to excavate right now. What is the thing I can't not write? What is the thing I can't stop talking about? So in that, like, what, if you, if you had to answer that today. In this moment, the answer would be, it's never too late to be who you've always been. 
Um, and it's just exploding the whole myth of I'm too old, you're t- it's too late, um, you know, because I had a 30 year career doing one thing and I have a degree in it, I can't pivot and do something else. Um, I have an aunt who just went back to school in 2019 at 65 and got her PhD um, because she wanted to. I mean, she's already had a whole Mm. career doing something else, but she wanted to. And so she's a source of inspiration that says, you know, that's just something that's just something people made up. That's a societal expectation. Um, So that's that's a big one. A big one is that it's just it's never too late to be who you've always been. And that's in relationships. Um, that's educationally, that's making a religious pivot, that's in a number of areas of life. Mm-hmm. And I would say secondary to that is to be curious. I believe curiosity is the antidote to judgment. And I spent a lot of my life, especially in the realm of faith, afraid to ask questions because, you know, you don't want God to be mad at you. And um, yeah. So a lot of times right now I tell people, you know, I'm, you know, in my fifties going through teenage rebellion because I question everything. (laughs) Um, But I I find that's a good thing. Um, And so it's be curious. Um, What happens when you question the status quo? And again, that's in, I'm questioning the status quo of history as I'm learning all this revisionist history. I'm questioning the status quo of religion. I'm questioning the status quo of gender roles. I'm questioning the status quo of patriarchy. So I would say, those two are probably a tie. <laughs> so I know you've mentioned that you like to travel and I know COVID has pretty much put a grinding halt to that. Um, but, you know, as people are vaccinated and where where do you what are some places you all are hoping to sorry you and your husband are hoping to or you personally are hoping to travel Um, to in the next year or two where I hope to travel and where I will travel (laughs) are not necessarily the same thing like last week I was hoping to travel to California because the rates are just super cheap and I have a lot of friends out there but they they got quarantine madness going on. So probably not a whole lot is going to happen in 2021. I am going to the beach for my birthday and I'm flying to South Florida and I'm going to visit friends in Minnesota. Um, but as far as places I want to go, we are real big on national parks. So I, I really want to see Yosemite. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to see Glacier. I really want to see mm-hmm. Yellowstone. Um We've been to Rocky Mountain National Park. We've been to all of the um, five national parks in Utah, the Mighty Five, Arches and Canyonlands and Bryce and all those. So we're... Um... David's from Utah. Oh, so you know all about Moab right. <laughs> and all those places. Yes. I do. Yeah. We love the outdoors. So um, like, so one of our things, we want to, we want to one by one go visit all the national parks. What is it about the outdoors that draws you? Okay. I just um, posted on my page, um, my Facebook page Sunday about the way I see God occurring in nature. And um, it's just, I mean, I I just, I just see it in everything. I, um, when we're in arches and just seeing the formations, I mean, uh, nature is, fascinates me. It's, it's a, it's a new fascination, but you know, when I look at, you know, or the Grand Canyon, that's another one we've been to. It's really hard for me to even put my words on. There is just a sense of awe that I feel and experience in those spaces and the vastness of it, that it's hard for Mm -hmm. me to quite fully articulate. It's like a Mm -hmm. sacred experience. Um, So I love that. Um, at some point, and, you know, I don't know when this will be, but, you know, I've lived in other countries. So, you know, I, I started school in, um, in Germany. Um, and so I just find that the world is expanded okay. when you step beyond just a United States American view of everything. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I find that my world is open when I 
get exposure to other cultures and other people's way of doing things. Um, so I'd like to get to international travel um, beyond the North America. I mean, to me, United States, I mean, Canada and Mexico mm-hmm, yeah. is it's not the same as like I've been to South Africa. That's that's a big, you know, um, cultural difference from from over yes, here or yes, you know, Western yep. Europe is you know very different um, from over here. But we got to get past all the pandemic nonsense mm-hmm. first. Hope, hopefully my belch didn't get on that recording. But if y'all did, you're welcome. Cheers to the wine. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I was actually going to ask was, <laughs> um, how have you been doing in during during the pandemic? Like, what have you been doing during the pandemic? Like, what has quarantine and COVID been like in your experience? Well, before uh, before the pandemic started, um, my last job I was at for nine years, and it was 100% virtual. So, <laughs> so I worked virtually for nine years, and um, so we would have staff meetings like oh, wow. once a quarter okay. in person. Um, so sometimes I would only have to, as far as physically go to work, you know, four times a year, and then maybe a Christmas party. Um, and then, you know, my, my, when the pandemic started, um, two of my kids were fully grown. The youngest one was in college. So for the most part, for me, it just kind of looked like it did before the pandemic, only now I couldn't do my favorite thing, which was jumping on airplanes to go places. Um, so I lived a, a virtual life beforehand. Um, and so that didn't change much for me. Um, I miss being able to go and hang out. Um, and, and wander because, you know, a lot of what we do, you know, it's not even like vacation. Mm-hmm. We just get on planes and just go wander around places and can't do much of that right now. So, and live entertainment. Yeah. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had concert tickets and I was supposed to go see Hamilton and Janet Jackson and a whole bunch of other people <laughs> that I didn't get to see in 2020. And I'm probably not going to get to see in 2021. So it disrupted my live entertainment and my travel plans. But beyond that, it was kind of status quo. Mm. I love one of the things that you were doing was sort of like these like virtual vacations on Facebook. Oh, yeah. I I love that. But I mean, and the reason I, I mentioned that is I feel like you are a person who is teaching me um to embody like being where I am and making the most out of the moments that I'm in like I feel like every time we've had the opportunity to connect and um I'll let you tell our introduction story later (laughs) because you're a great storyteller but like um yeah I feel like you embody like what it means to live in the moment in 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 being so often so like yeah tell tell us tell them about the vir- these virtual vacations yeah part of part of what I, I you know I found a whole bunch of quotes like you know um, logical take you from A to Z but imagination will take you everywhere and so I you know came up with this whole compilation of quotes about imagination and so like just at random sometimes three and four times a week. Like I had this one where I posted a picture of myself in my front yard in a beach chair, but in my front yard. And that's one half of the screen. And it's like, this is where I really am. And then the other half of the screen is like, you know, the beach in California or somewhere. And it's like, this is where I am in my imagination. Um, And so one of the things that I, I'd spent a lot of time doing last year is just revisiting the memories of all the places I've gone. And one of the things that I think I underestimated Um, before I woke up and realized that I live in Atlanta, home of the busiest airport in the nation, and I can fly cheap. Um, So I lived here for like 20 plus years before Mm. I woke up and realized that, (laughs) Um, is that the United States is just amazingly diverse itself. I mean, you can go to different parts of the country and it's like you have entered a completely different world. And um, So Mm -hmm. I I gained a whole new level of appreciation for my iPhone um, during last year because I would just sit and, you know, revisit and I have a lot of video clips. So it's not even just still shots, it's video clips that allow me to go back to um, some of the interesting places I've been. Um, But then it's also been 
interesting people because I now literally have friends all around the country just because I meet people in random encounters uh, when we go places. And then I, you know, we maintain contact and go back later <laughs> and hang out with them. So that's just kind of been, um, you know, my husband has this joke that there is the home Olivia because I'm very much an introvert. Um, and then there's the road Olivia. And so the road Olivia has this extroverted alter ego that um, like, you know, overtakes my body when I get to Hartsfield and get on a plane. And then, um, <laughs> and so I, I, I fly around the country and like, I, you know, talk to random strangers and, and stuff like that. And then I get on a plane and I come back home and then the home Olivia <laughs> resumes dominance. And it's like, you know, don't bother me. Don't talk to me. <laughs> I feel like David, I feel like you're over there like analyzing different parts of this. And you're like, yes, I can identify. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, that's accurate. I mean, I think, Olivia and I share the home Olivia <laughs> element of, of our being. Um, so I can definitely relate to that. I was, I was excited to hear that another, uh, another introvert would be joining our team uh, alongside myself uh, because I love both of you, but you're exhausting. <laughs> you're See, David, you're, David, your kids are young, but like, I'm a person who, um, because of quarantine. So I, I mentioned my youngest daughter who just graduated from college. She just graduated in December, but my young, my daughter who's um, older than her got stuck here. Like she got her first corporate job, the offer on March the 6th. She started March 30th. We went into lockdown on in Atlanta, like the 15th or 17th. So she got kind of stuck at home and her job is not a virtual job, but she's been working virtually for the last year. Mm. Um, but I say all that to say, I'm the person who texts within the house. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. like I will be in my room and instead of going downstairs and it's like, I'll just send a text message because I'm in my bubble of solitude and I don't want to talk. So <laughs> I can just go to like, you know, in the introvert extreme to where I'm actually texting people in the house. I know you have young kids, you can't do that, but I can. Yeah. Yeah. The, the pandemic for me has been, on the one hand, I appreciate some of the uh, social evolutions we've made. Like masks are great, you know, knowing it, you know, just adds a, just a further air of privacy that I, I very much appreciate. Um, <laughs> I'm not necessarily looking forward to those you know, moving, moving past those on a cultural level. Well, you now um, have a permanent excuse if you just want to wear a mask. Like you don't, I feel like nobody from this point forward needs an excuse to be in public with a mask. Sure. On. Sure. I mean, we're talking about, you know, our church is talking about, you know, what is a, you know, what is a safe, responsible, you know, uh, reopening process look like in the coming weeks. And, you know, one of the things we're talking about are the introduction of like bracelets or stickers, you know, they're color coded, you know, so, Red means actually I'll start I'll do red last. So green means like yes, let's hug. I'm fully vaccinated. Yellow is like, oh, I'll give you a fist bump or an elbow rub or something like that. And red's like, like, don't fucking touch me. And it's like, you know what? Like, and it's like that's a, that's that seems like that should just be like a permanent inclusion to our um like our way of being in the world. Is like I will I will buy a lifetime supply of red wristbands and yes, you know just I mean, kind of go the from conservatives there. Conservatives are up in arms about vaccine passports right now, though. So <laughs> about what are they vaccine passports? They're like ah, but I'm like what? you have to have vaccines what? to travel. Yeah, to you have to. You have to. Now. I mean, yeah, that's already in place passport? with certain countries. If you go to certain African yeah, countries, you have to have. Um, you have to show evidence of certain um, shots. Yeah. So anyway, that's a whole other story. Are, so what they mean is just yeah. passports. Like adding the vaccine modifier is redundant. Like they're just angry about how passports work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially. Leave it to David to simplify. It's like, so this is what they're actually angry about. <laughs> I would... We need. I feel like we need to have go back and have an ex episode one day, though, David, about how Becca and I are exhausting. 
and a few oh, yes. episodes sure, sure. in with yeah. Olivia so that we can see if there's comparable ways in which Becca and I are exhausting because you both are fives on the Enneagram and Becca and I are both twos <laughs> on the Enneagram. I'm married yeah, to a level not... 10 extrovert and um, I mean yeah. like he just like on the on the Myers-Briggs when it shows his percentage of it's 99% extrovert and I'm 81% introvert. <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. We are like wow. Same thing. I'm ISTJ, he's ESTJ. So same everything except I'm the introverted version of him. And so it makes for an interesting dynamic at times. <laughs> except for on the road Olivia. Yeah. Yeah. Road is the road Olivia is a temporary extrovert and then, you know, she comes back. <laughs> you said Olivia, you said ISTJ? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't know Myers Briggs well. I'm an INTJ. I don't know. So I, you might be able to tell me better than I could tell myself what the difference between you being an S and me being an N there does. Like I don't. Myers Briggs is probably like the, at least at a popular level, the personality profiling matrix that I am least proficient in. I used to I used to know that all of those inside, outside, upside down because we had you know administered them to every single candidate Mm -hmm. and like I could Mm -hmm. rattle off the 16 of them and so in this last year I have um you know selective amnesia sure yeah so I don't I don't I I, so off the top of my head I don't I don't I I can't tell you off the top of my head but the fact that three of our letters are in common tells me that there's (laughs) we're still a lot alike so yeah. The only difference I'm seeing is like the David. You're according to the my the 16 personalities. You're the architect personality, and you're I knew that intuitive. And Olivia's the logistic logis- logistician. That word. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And you're observant. Is so intuition versus observant it seems to be the difference i don't know if that helps y'all to unpack that at all <laughs> but it i, I feel just, like it also makes sense though with your career field still olivia being a logistician uh-huh. oh i said it yay i just know when i go on like buzzfeed and plug in my results like i get gandalf <laughs> and like, <laughs> does that bring it to light to everyone listening the wizard yeah so that yeah, yeah, yes. I, I'm pretty okay with that that one. Gandalf is a solid comparison in my book. <laughs> I was like, that's a that's a pretty high honor. No, I mean, there's other famous fictional characters for other types too. It's just not Gandalf. Hot. So, so famous fictional ISTJ from the same universe would be Thorin Oakenshield leader of the you know the company in the hobbit obviously i mean i know most of you all know that who are listening of course but i just for the few few who may not i figured i would add that i did not uh, know the hobbit part yeah clarification david's making sure we understand the hobbit (laughs) yeah it's not all good i live with a household full of um Lord of the Rings, um, Tolkien, yeah, yeah, obsessed people. But part of part of the the journey of the last few years has been a journey away from logic and into um, intuition, because just like all kinds of stuff started happening that doesn't make any logical sense. Um, mm. And uh, Ooh, yes, <laughs> tell us about this disruption. <laughs> Tommy's like, and we here we arrived. <laughs> Like how I met Tommy. <laughs> yes, and that has not happened. So, how did you meet Tommy? I met Tommy because my husband and I um, were at the Evolving Faith 2019 conference in um, Denver. With this story also goes into how she met David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, eventually. Um, yeah. So we were there. Um, it was there were 2,500 people there. Um, 
way disproportionately white, <laughs> really white. And so they had decided to um, have a people of color room just to give people of color, you know, space if they wanted to, you know, process amongst themselves. And um, so my husband and I were sitting there talking to each other. We were at that time um, that whatever, you know, between that session, that time out or break or whatever. Um, we were the only two black people in there at the time. And Tommy walked in. And so because I was in road Olivia mode, <laughs> I did something I wouldn't normally. I was just about to say. <laughs> I was in the road Olivia mode. And so Tommy walked in the door and I was like, oh my God, a black man. Come here. Let me take, let us, let me take your picture. <laughs> and um, so he walked over and he stood next to my husband and he's like, what's your name? He's like, my name is Thomas. I was like, oh, my dad's name is Thomas. Um, because again, I was in the road Olivia mode. And so I snapped this picture of he and my husband that I still have. And um, he sat there and talked to us for like the next hour and um, introduced us to a gathering. I mean, invited us to come to a gathering later that night, which again, the home Olivia would not have attended because it's like, we're in Colorado going to something. I didn't even know what it was with people. I don't know, but sure. Why not? Um and then we found out he was from Charlotte. We're also detailing like seasons of our lives, right? <laughs> this is like three different seasons of our lives over this yeah. story. <laughs> so he, you know, he's from Charlotte. And so anyway, we went to the, what was it? It was a, a Facebook live event. What was that? Yeah. So at the time I was moderating um, the Facebook group of the liturgists online yeah. and they weren't necessarily affiliated with the liturgists, but <laughs> At the time, we were doing well enough job to where we had relationships with some of the co-hosts um, and whatnot. And so we were doing a, we had, went, we wanted to, one, at the time, one of the goals was to kind of go to each city and like have these gatherings um, for the Facebook communities. And that's what we were doing while we were in Denver. And we were just like, oh, you should totally come to that. Yeah, so he extended an invitation and. You know, so later on that night, my husband's like, are we going to go do this? Sure, why not? Because, you know, we, we're adventurous when we're on the road. And so we went and did that. But, you know, I missed all that. Tommy is from Charlotte and I'm in Atlanta and it's only four hours apart. And um, so we had said, OK, well, you know, the next time we're in Charlotte, we'll come through. And so then um, you fast forward to November and I had paid. A month later. Uh, paid, yeah, <laughs> a month later. <laughs> I had paid very good money <laughs> to attend this three-day writing conference and um tommy had agreed to um cook dinner and so it just so happened that the hotel that we chose was like what like two minutes from where he lived at the time and um so anyway so we went and had dinner with them and were up talking until like one o'clock in the morning and then he was like well you should come to this thing at our church and i was like well i have to go to my writing conference um then I said, okay, well, I'll just come to part of it. And then I'll leave at the halfway point and go to my writing conference. And long story short, I never went to my writing conference. <laughs> so I spent the, my husband and I spent the whole weekend at Watershed at the, at that event and hanging out with um, Tommy and um, came back Sunday for church services. And, you know, so anyway, that's how that whole thing happened. It's a lot of fun. I still hate calling it a church. <laughs> I, I still will forever hate calling it a church. What do you call what it? What would you call it? Yeah. Huh? What would you call it? Uh, I mean, what the banner says outside of the building, spiritual community. Spiritual community. Oh, so vague. It is, and I love it. Then she like, bet is Tommy. It a church? <laughs> is it Christian? I'm a vague human. Have you not noticed? No, I have. <laughs> Although, although, although there's, there, I feel like there's times that you wanna you wanna arrest yourself down on something concrete, and and I've pushed back on that. There have been instances in our relationship where that's happened. Subtopic for the you are exhausting episode. Yeah. <laughs> See, I just like I I love our my relationship with David because we get to like I would never know that about myself if it was just left to me to do this analysis of myself. Like, so that's really interesting and helpful feedback of like, I know that I'm a vague person, 
I do I do think that there are aspects that I have very strong opinions on. I'm not the one who called you Vakia. That was Becca. Huh? It was me, oh. but yeah. I do ingest. I did it just because as you're saying this, I'm like, I don't think you're vague, but I thought it was a fun add-on to the you are i was more playing on the you are exhausting episode maybe my desire is to be more vague because i I was like you're very specific and to the point i mean like you don't um you're not gonna just you're not gonna beat around the bush And, and, and to be super clear i don't have i don't necessarily have some strong investment on insisting that watershed is called the church my the only strong investment I have on about anything is re, uh, sometimes reacting in, in the opposite way. Anytime someone else has a strong investment in their particular position, so it's <laughs> so, so my, only, my 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 only investment in insisting that we call Watershed a church is 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 born out of a curiosity. We'll call it over the fact that you have a strong investment in it not being called a church. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> now all of a sudden it being a church is very interesting for me. And this is why I love what, you. What, 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 is, what type of curiosity is that, David? I don't know. You made a look when you were like, what type of curiosity? Oh, no, I just, Tommy uses the word curiosity. There you go. With such, to such an extent now that I was telling, I was telling uh, his partner, Chris, last week that like, it's almost become a pejorative. Like, anytime yeah. he's like, well, I'm curious yeah. about this. Like, that means you disagree. <laughs> there it is. That's what I wanted you to get. That's exactly where I wanted that to go. Yeah, like, that's fine. Oh, that's no, is Watershed's official name? Is, is Watershed's official name Watershed Community? I mean, what what is the official Watershed. Well, no, no, Watershed. actually, okay. not, no, not even Charlotte. Like we, get, we're not <laughs> supposed to. It's just watershed. Like, yeah, okay, it's just watershed. Like watershed Charlotte is in the URL because I think that's mm-hmm. probably what we had to when we bought the website name. But like, but no, mm-hmm. like technically speaking, my bosses would say that no, we are not watershed Charlotte. We are not watershed community church. We're not watershed church. It's just watershed i couldn't necessarily tell you why that is i could just tell you that it's that's what i that, that's true well i just looked it up now and if watershed wants to change it to watershed.com it's now available on GoDaddy. for how much how much is <laughs> what it, is it expensive how much oh i haven't looked at it because that's right some are different that seems like something that like some sort of um ecological or geological company would prefer to spend a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of like state money on or federal money on Whereas you I'm... might be able to get it for a hundred nineteen dollars and ninety nine cents that's what it says text got right now <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who if don't you know Scott is the, one of the lead pastors yeah so if you can't tell we uh uh for well we have a love accountability relationship with watershed and we go there so we can i mean i work there and we right i'm on i'm on a committee there if we're calling it that (laughs) i'm occasionally on videos there you occasionally speak there you occasionally lead worship there let's see how many other things does tommy do So I say I say all that about watershed to say that like we have a complicated relationship with it as you should with any institution I feel like in this modern day and age but it's been a source of a uh, great connection for me because uh, that was actually with the with collective conference that I now am on that particular board um and David's on the board of one of their partner organizations. And so we just keep making these weird random connections that seemingly the common factor is this sort of deconstruction narrative and in, in 
transition out of uh, white evangelicalism. <laughs> that face! <laughs> Would you like to share? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Um, what can I say? That's not... Anything you want. <laughs> Anything. I, I, I made a list the other day of all the denominations I've been a part of. So there were CME Methodist, AME Methodist, Baptist, full gospel Baptist. I went to Catholic school for three years. Um, Pentecostal, Church of God in Christ. <laughs> but um, for the last... Yes, Kojic. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. yeah I, I, I have made the rounds. Um, but... Um, the last one in which I landed and from which I departed and, you know, have not returned was very much um, a white, you know, charismatic evangelical denomination that um, in 2015, things really took a turn. Um, And um, as, you know, all the politics and everything heated up, it just became untenable. Um, So I had the same experience of a lot of people where um, so many ministry figures that I had long respected and I thought Mm -hmm. we were on the same page. And all of a sudden, all these values that we espoused didn't matter. Mm -hmm. What mattered Mm -hmm. was being, um, you know, supporting a thrice thrice divorced adulterer, you know, didn't matter. I mean, but but Bill Clinton, you said it mattered. And, oh, okay. Uh, You know, so all these things um, that were all these values, um, just kind of went out the window and it was all about um, politics and Republicanism. And so it just, it just got to a point where it was just untenable. Um, or, I mean, I, I, I watched as the, you know, justifying the unjustifiable, excusing the unexcusable. And um, I was sitting and witnessing the unimaginable. And so I, you know, I had to, yeah. I had to part company um, but um, it wasn't just me. So um, I've, I've developed a lot of friendships out here in the wilderness. One of the things that was most interesting for me, I guess it was maybe 2017, 18. I don't remember exactly. And um, as I shared before, I, I worked virtually for nine years. And so I decided to get in touch with friends that I hadn't seen in a while because I was kind of getting cabin fever. And so I've reached out to like five Mm -hmm. different people and and was like, Hey, would you like to meet for lunch? You know, I'll come to near your workplace because, you know, I had a lot of latitude with my schedule. And the one thing that I was trying to prepare myself for was people asking me about church. And I put together this nice little speech that, well, you know, I'm just taking a leave of absence from church because I didn't want to get into a whole thing. I didn't want to debate it. I I didn't want to lecture. I didn't want to argue. And of the five people that I met with, and they're all friends I hadn't seen in a long time, four of them were no longer in church. And none of us <laughs> went to the same church. No, we weren't even the same denomination. And it was just such an interesting thing for me where I was kind of tap dancing around it. And it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm taking leave. Oh, really? I haven't been in two years. And then it's like, Oh, okay. So, you know, a lot of people um, were coming to the same conclusion. So, you know, whereas a lot of people, when they go on a journey of deconstruction, they feel isolated. They feel like they're out in the wilderness alone. Um, Most of my friends left with me, (laughs) although I didn't, you know, fully Mm -hmm. realize it. And then the friends that I have who are, are still an active part of institutional church are they, there's no judgment. In other words, they're not trying to tell me, you know, you need to go back yeah. or, or, or whatnot. So I didn't have the same challenge of feeling alone and isolated that a lot of people did. Um, and then when I went to um, Evolving Faith in 2018 and then again in 2019, so now I've got friends all over the country <laughs> who are on a similar <laughs> journey. So, yeah. Awesome. Very awesome. Yeah. I... What I love and what one of the reasons I'm excited that you're here and you're a co-host is in some very like real ways, like being that close to like sort of leaving evangelicalism in like we have conversations all the time of like things we're waking up to, mm-hmm. things that we're processing. I love that in in one sense 
you're an educator and a student and like that that humility that you go into that with like I haven't yet arrived to it and so it's like there's not necessarily all the anti-racist language and education that's there but I see it like and when when you're telling me about like your writing classes and your stories I see like this this sort of awakening and connecting the dots but what I really love is your ability to connect it to your experiences mm-hmm. in life and to um and so I was just like well of course you would be like just a beautiful person to have as a constant presence on the podcast because of your ability to sort of sit with and synthesize these experiences and these things that are happening not just in your life um but as you're bumping up with your friends and 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 integrating those things and I feel like that makes you really accessible to where a lot of people are and a lot of uh things that people are struggling with sometimes I worry like one, I'm really guarded sometimes about some of my stories that I'm like working to open up with. Sometimes I worry that we're like really heady or, right. And so it's this really beautiful um, space that I get to, that we get to now enjoy you Mm. as rooting into sort of the experience of what is it like to journey and what is it like to journey as a black woman and, a classist, racist, patriarchal society and to be waking up to those things. And so, one, thank you for saying yes. Um, But two, also, like, let us know along the journey how we can rally around you and support you and and be uh, sort of this sustaining presence to you in relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I just love this team because we all bring such different things to the space. So, yes, I'm going to shut up now. What were you? No, it's just been it's been (laughs) it's it has been a fun journey of learning, especially the history, Um, because I'm an avid reader. And, um, you know, one of the things I appreciate about Tommy is like, you know, every now and then when I first met him, I was like, there's no way you're 29. Like, you're 29. Like, how are you thinking about this kind of stuff? Like this stuff wasn't even on my radar when I was 29 and I could literally be your mother. Um, but, um, I, I said the other day that I have learned more history, more, let me be more accurate. I have learned more factual history in the last five years than I did in the prior 50. And I sit and marvel, um, at what I'm learning and uncovering and how much I was taught that was revisionist or I wasn't taught at all, or it was distorted. Um, And so I'm, you know, I I tell people all the time, I'm innately intellectually curious. Um, So I'm learning, I'm loving the journey of learning. But I, I guess the other thing that has just been a big wake up for me is how much internalized racism there is, even within the black community, that's rooted in these messages that we were given. Um, and so I do literally feel like um, I've been asleep and I'm waking up, <laughs> like waking up, like coming out of surgical anesthesia and I'm slowly and surely waking up and going, oh my God. And so. You know, I feel that a big part of the pivot um, at the at the point that I left my job, my husband's biggest thing was, well, I'm glad you finally figured that out because you should have left two years ago because there's something else for you to do. And so one of the big things that I'm stepping into in this space of liminality is also what is it mine to do in this next season of life? So I, I did what I did um, for, you know, 25 to 30 years of career. And now I'm at this crossroads and I've pivoted. Um, but I don't believe I'm on this journey by coincidence. So when we talk about me meeting Tommy in Denver, um, the social justice writing group I'm in is also because of Denver. <laughs> um, you know, so many things are, are tied mm-hmm. to that. And I've just learned to, you know, there's this quote that says, 
Everything in life is your teacher. The trick is to sit at the feet of your own life and learn from it. And, um, and so when I sit back and look at the last few years, it's just kind of been a situation of the journey becomes clear as you walk it. So simply walk the path. The path becomes clear as you walk it. So simply walk the path. Um, and so all the jokes about Tommy talking me into it aside, this dropped into my path. I don't think me meeting him is a coincidence. I don't think the timing is a coincidence. Just too many things happen in my life that look like coincidences, but really aren't. Um, yeah. And so yeah. I believe it's all leading somewhere. And um, so I'm, I, I feel like the baton has been passed. You know, my mother's generation and my grandmother's generation, they did their part. And um, for, you know, the first half, you know, of my adult life, I didn't pick up the baton. And so now I've picked it up. And so I'm learning and I'm in the process of figuring out how I'm going to use my strengths and my talents in the cause of anti-racism because I have a role to play for the generation that's going to come behind me. Actually, one of the things, I have a friend who is a very close friend who is an indigenous American. And so she's taught me about the principle of seven generations. And so it's about living your life, looking at what's gonna leave an impact for seven generations after you. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a big part of what's circulating in my head right now. Okay, what's my role to play in this? and, And what can I hone in on because if you look at the totality of it, it'll just overwhelm you. I mean, there are just some days, you know, I'll just tell, you know, send Tommy one of my distress text messages where I just want to crawl in the ground. Um, and I can't, I, I, I can't, the, the issues are, there's just too many. It's too wide and, and deep. Um, mm. So what is mine to do? And so then if I can dial down and focus in, and that, that, that too is part of, part of the journey I'm on right now. You just gave more definition to what permission to be means than like we've ever been able right. to do. Right. Because <laughs> right. oh. truly that's what it's about. And then it's also this within that I, I hear and I not just hear, but I see this movement and this flow and this granting yourself the permission. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was on mic or off mic. We were talking about earlier about like, making mistakes um and and just being courageous enough to do that publicly like it's so counterintuitive and even like some of the stories that we don't get to talk about often it's like david and becca and i were always engaged in wrestling with these conversations on on anti-racism and like what is where are we going? What's the ultimate goal? What does liberation mm-hmm. mean? Like yeah. it is, you know, what do we mean when we say these things are, are constructs and how these things are being talked about in media and society and, mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. And so, yeah, I just I, already, I appreciate how you embody multiple facets of the journey of in your own life, but also as a demonstration and example to how it could be, for so many people and not just you olivia like you too david and you too becca <laughs> thanks i was just um when when amanda gorman um you know gave mm-hmm. that speech and talked about uh, you know about the light if only i i can't yeah. i can't quote it exactly how she said it but i had my own version of it in this um poem that i had written so i can say my version of it but um it's, you know, I'm disappointed, but not giving up on this nation. I'm laser focused on future offspring forward to the seventh generation. As an optimist, mm-hmm. I've set my intention to aspire, to push my country to do better, to evolve, to strive higher, so that I can declare at the end of my life that I did my part to end racial injustice and strife. And so that in rhyme is just kind of the essence of what my mindset is about. Mm-hmm. 
where I'm going. I hear Diana Ross in my head. Do you know where you're going to? (laughs) Sing it. it. All right. Tell the audience if they want to get, keep tabs. Well, not keep tabs. I don't want to say that. But if they want to cultivate relationship with you, if they want to journey with you, how can they find Other you than on these interwebs? listening to this podcast now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I have a, a blog where I write my inspirational stories. And so it's hopeinfusion.blog. It's all together, H-O-P-E-I-N-F-U-S-I-O-N, hopeinfusion.blog. Um, and on Instagram, at Hope Infusion, all together. Again, H-O-P-E-I-N-F-U-S-I-O-N. On Twitter, at Hope Infusion. <laughs> and my, um, I have both a private and a public Facebook page, but my public Facebook page is also Hope Infusion. So there you go. That makes it, <laughs> um, it's pretty, you know, consistent across the board. And as a new permission to be co-host, Y'all can also go to permission to be podcast.com, click on the about tab and click on Olivia's page, which has already been created. And by the time you're listening to this, we'll be live. And so all of the information she just shared will be there as well. Do I have one of those? Yes, you do. I have no idea what it says. <laughs> you, you wrote it. I believe you. So, (laughs) for listeners, so if you go to Permission to Be Podcast and you click on the About tab, there is a bio page with everybody's um, social media links. Um, David has a page, Tommy has a page, I have a page, and Olivia now has a page. Imagine that. Cool. Imagine that. With all of your links, people could connect with you. Cool. All right. So, Olivia, you have mentioned that you wrote this poem inspired by Amanda Gorman. Do you mind, like, sending us out with a reading? Sure. It's called With Liberty and Justice for Some. One nation under God with liberty and justice for all. It's at the Pledge of Allegiance, but does that make it true? If your skin is not white, does it even apply to you? I was once under the illusion that justice was fair, that if you did what was right, authorities wouldn't dare carelessly deprive a citizen of freedom, that the justice system could be trusted to be there if you need them. Two million black men in prison shatter that illusion, leaving me to ponder and ask questions to sort out my confusion. We're told justice isn't about color of skin, but our prisons disproportionately overflow with black and brown men. American justice is biased and selective, and people of color are the least protected from unjust criminal prosecution and incarceration, so don't tell me equal justice is the norm in this nation. Freedom and justice for all is an aspiration, an elusive goal, a reality that to date has yet to fully unfold consistently to those of dark skin and lesser privilege. The American dream is considered ideal, but it's elusive for many. Can we just be real? The American dream has been a nightmare for many, built with slave labor on the backs of my ancestors without any consideration for their choices, their will. We're no longer enslaved, but face discrimination still. And before you say all have equal opportunity, I'll remind you that for centuries, my ancestors were not free. You're free now, you may say, and you would be right but ancestral disparity as a big part of today's black plight. Yes, I have it much better in my day and time, but institutional racism moved the starting line. Slavery, Jim Crow, systemic oppression, voting rights denied, another inequity weapon. A system created to hold us down, it's true, all because our skin is not a white enough hue. 401 years and we've still not arrived at a place where equal justice is consistently applied. We say black lives matter and some people are offended, but our human worth should not have to be defended. Since its founding, our country has made it abundantly clear they see red, black, and brown skin as something to fear. Speak up, we're called unpatriotic, ungrateful, despite a legacy of lynchings and racist violence that was so hateful, years of racial slurs, demeaning rhetoric so vile, I'm appalled that it suddenly come back in style. 
My skepticism is elevated, my optimism is down, I sit in dismay as bigotry rebounds, but I'm called to infuse hope, and I've answered that call. Though my hope has wavered, I won't allow it to fall to the place where I hit rock bottom. I'm disappointed but not giving up on this nation. I'm laser focused on future offspring forward to the seventh generation. As an optimist, I've set my intention to aspire, to push my country to do better, to evolve, to strive higher, so that I can declare at the end of my life that I did my part to end racial injustice and strife. Mission of the Olivia. Thank you. I look forward to this journey. Yo, that was our show. Thanks for listening to Permission to Be. Um, thank you to our guests. So if you want more information, head on over to permissiontobepodcast.com to check out the show notes. Get some more information on our guests that we post over there. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, leave a rating. If there's somebody that you want to see on this podcast telling their story, we also want to hear from you. So make sure to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, Permission to Be Podcast, and we'll see you soon.